we get ready to get started. Um, I am just uh, so excited about what God's going to share with us this morning. I want you to turn to uh, <clears throat> Luke chapter number 19. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, and we'll prepare uh, to receive from the Lord this morning. Luke, chapter 19. Father, we just love you. Uh, Father, I thank you that I am just your servant this morning. Use me for your glory. Father, I decrease that your spirit in me might increase. I pray, Father, that, uh, Lord, that as you move by your spirit and as you speak, Lord, and Lord, let this not be Pastor Gary talking, because the Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. Use my mouth. Use my lips. Use my heart. Father, I'm just a conduit this morning. And Father, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory when you have spoken to us and inspired us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 19. Um, our focus verse this morning is going to be verse number 10, but I'm going to read verses 1. Uh, all the way up to verse number 10 this morning as we prepare. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. He was rich. Everybody say rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for, the, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, watch this now. He has gone to be guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. But listen to this. This is our foundational text. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This morning, we're going to continue in the second installment of our series we started last week entitled Passion. Is it? In you. Last week we had uh, really had underscored the importance of having a passion for Jesus. Many of us have a lot of different passion for different things. You know, we some of us have passion for sports. NFL season started today. Hallelujah. Uh, we all have passion. Some people have passion for animals, and people have passions for you know computers and uh, for music and and all kinds of things. We all have a passion for various things. But the overriding passion for the believer must be a passion for Jesus. That must, that is, that, when we develop a passion for Jesus, it shapes our passion for everything else in life. Are you with me? 
So when you have a passion for Jesus, it's going to determine where you live. It's going to determine who you marry. It's going to determine uh, your relationships. It's going to determine everything there is about your life. When Jesus become the greatest passion of our life, talking about a passion, and and, and I I understand, and I you know, and I you know, and, and you know, I understand the, the passion for various things. I'm passionate about things, but one of the things that I always ask myself, as it relates to believers, where is the passion for Jesus? Where is the fire? Where is the excitement? Where is the enthusiasm about what God has done for us? Where, well, why is it sometimes that, that, that we struggle with just, just the simple things of our Christian faith? We talked last week when you develop a passion for something, nobody has to force you to do anything. You just move into it. You know why? Because I love it. It's what I want to do. I'm passionate about it. Now watch this. There's no way to be passionate about Jesus without being passionate for people. I want that to sink deep down into your heart. So a person say to me, well, Pastor Gary, I just love the Lord. I, I really, really love the Lord, but I can't stand people. How many know there's a problem? Oddly enough, I had Many years ago, when we was, uh, first started, and uh, I started, but I was a part of another church, and this lady was the pastor's wife. Very gifted woman, anointed, great speaker. She was a great teacher. And she said something one day to me, and, and I was somewhat young in the faith. I'd been saved maybe five years, but I heard that. It just didn't sit right with me. She said, you know, I just don't like people. I don't like dealing with the people. And I just, I, whoa, where did that come from? And I remember having this discussion with my wife. How is it that you can spend time with Jesus and not love people? For Jesus said, for the Bible said that the Son of Man had come to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. Everything that we do as Christians is for the purpose of seeking the lost. Everything. Whether it's cell ministry, the media department, usher ministry. Arms outreach, outstretched arms, arms outstretched. Y'all mix it up every now and then. But everything we do is for one purpose. What is, why, do we, why are we doing it? Because we're trying to reach souls. And sometimes we lose the big picture. We get so focused on, you know, wanting to get our way and not having this and not having that and people not doing this and people not doing that. But we really forget that it's really all about people. All about people. I believe if this church catch fire, And that each and every one of us decide to say, you know what? I am going to cultivate a passion for people. This church will fill up quick. No question about it. No question about it. Put me in an environment where people who are on fire for God, you're on fire for God, you're going to love people. See, you cannot be a lover of Jesus without really being a lover of people. Because everything about what Jesus did, he attracted what? People. And you know the interesting thing about it? Is people were drawn to him. They were like a magnet. You know why people were drawn to Jesus? I know we can easily discount and say, well, you know, he was the son of God. He had, no, no, no. Jesus says that when I go, greater works will you do. Did he not say that? 
He says, as I do you to do, as the Father sent me, I send you. The same grace, the same anointing, I send you. So then, so then the, the, the question, the question we got to ask ourselves is, where's the passion for the lost? Where's the hunger? Where's the thirst? <laughs> we have to admit and be honest that in our culture today, you can sit and you can watch TV and you can see violence all the time, right? People getting killed in the street. And it's so easy to think to yourself, you know what? Um, that's that person. They're on their way out. You know, they're, uh, you know, uh, too bad for them. Do you not know that God died for every one of them? Every single one of them. And we can become desensitized to the point that we look at those people and we don't even think twice. There are people all around us. There are next door neighbors. There are people on our jobs that we don't know. And we close ourselves up in our little holy huddle, which is on Sunday morning, and we just, just cuddle up and we just want to stay right here. And we go into our comfort zone in our home and we want to stay right here. We love the Lord. But where is the fire for people? Where is their thirst? What, I mean, where is it going to come to a point that, that, we, well, that we weep and say, Lord God, Give me a plan. Give me a vision to reach people. Because there ought to be a passion enough in us that we don't want to see people die and go to hell. And, 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 and what, should, what should inspire us is the knowledge of that, but it should, it should get us up out of our seat and say, I got to do something about this. I mean, we got people on our jobs. We got people in our neighborhoods. When's the last time you went and knocked on the door and say, look, I'm going to just go, I just want to tell you about the love of God. Or just knock on the door and just take some cookies. Have a community picnic. Just go and share the love of God. Because God did not leave you here to camp out and to chill and wait for him to turn or for you to die. He left you here with a purpose. And God made us a passionate people. Passion is great. Passion is a fuel to life. We have no passion. So many person have no passion, they're not excited about living. God made us to be a passionate people. And we need to be passionate about souls. We need to be passionate about the harvest. And need not to come to that place where we are just comfortable and content with going to heaven ourselves. I mean, it's great that we're all going to heaven. Am I right about it? I mean, I am, I'm excited. I mean, I get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I mean, we all, I mean, we get to be together for all eternity. So if you don't like me now, you better get used to me because you're going to be stuck with me. <laughs> and the right, sorry. You're going to be stuck with me. We're going to be st stuck is a bad word. We shouldn't be stuck. We shouldn't be thinking that way. But for some people, we do feel that way, don't we? To be honest. We need to pray about that, too. But we got, I mean, it's great. I mean, I come to church and I see you and the love of God is over my heart. I, I feel so excited. I said, good to see you. I'm just so glad. But you know, when you drove here this morning, there was a lot of people that you passed. They were on a jogging trail. They're not thinking about God. They're not thinking about church. I was driving here this morning. Many of them, that's the last thing that's on their mind. And we can get so comfortable as Christians that we can just keep driving to church and just keep doing the church thing that we miss the main thing. A passion for people. 
Jesus said, as you see, see, we keep seeking our own, but Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, and I'll take care of all the other stuff that you think that is so important in your life. My wife talked about a guarantee. That's a guarantee. He said, seek first the kingdom. God says, and everything else will be added. But that's a, that's a good investment, a good return on your investment. Because how many know God is not a liar? He cannot lie. Not in his nature. He cannot do it. So our passion so wherever, watch this. So wherever we live and work and play is your mission field. I want that to settle down in your heart. You did not live, and we was talking about this not too long ago. But wherever God plants you, that's your mission field. That's your mission field. That's your mission field. You have the answer to life. It doesn't matter the job that you have. And there have been times I said, Lord, I would like to leave this job. How many of you ever felt that way? You just like to leave. But that's your mission field. Obviously, if you're still there, there's something for you to do. And it's probably going to involve somehow, some way in reaching people. <sighs> Developing that passion for Jesus will give you a passion for Jesus. And I prayed, and I was praying as the Lord was putting this on my heart. I said, Lord, increase the fire and desire in me. In me, first and foremost. And Lord, and I prayed you would ignite the people that follow that we will come to a people that will love people enough that we don't want to see them die and spend uh, 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 their eternity banished away from God in eternal torment because there is no turning back. There's no turning back. Talking about passion. In John chapter 3, the Gospel of John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, uh, this is a... Uh, that was a very, very short introduction. Was that okay? John 3.16, it says, I mean, and, and many of us, you only have to read it. You just know it by heart, right? I mean, we, we know this verse. But you know, sometimes we can get so, um, what's the right word? Casual. Because we read, the, we read this stuff, and after a while, we just go, okay, I know that. Okay, I know what that says. But you know, this scripture is loaded. This scripture is powerful. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. So what was God's motive? Now, we're talking about having a passion for Jesus, right? I mean, we're talking about people, I mean, we're talking about people that are on fire for God. I mean, I'm not talking about crazy. I'm not talking about a lunatic. I'm talking about somebody that's just radical. They just love the thing of God. You're talking about that passion for Jesus will result in learning to be like him, adopting his ways. God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? He gave his best, his best. What was God's motive? His love for people. I mean, now when you think about this scripture, think about it. Here, Jesus, well, well God the Father, did. he could have just left us right where we were. Because after all, creation was the ones that abandoned him. He did not abandon us. He clothed himself in human flesh, allowed himself to be, as we like to say it in modern times, beat down. And boy, he was beat down in the most horrific way. Just for you and me. Now, if I'm creator Gary, 
and I created, let's say, all of you, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I might just zap you out. So everybody say, thank God you ain't my creator. <laughs> right? Because if you're my, if, if I created you, well, you act right. Just, okay, this one ain't acting right. This ain't right. But no, no, God, God pursued us. He passionately, I mean, no, God, God is a God of passion. He passionately came after us, sought after us, came chasing after us. The Bible says, yet when we were in, in the thick of our sins, not when we had it all together, not when we, you know, people say sometimes, well, I'll come to God when I get my life right. You never get it right. Come to him as you are. Just come and just stop the nonsense. You will never be right. Come to him as you are, right where you are. He loved us so much that he came. I mean, no, that was passion. Passion. God was passionate about you so much that he allowed himself, his own creation, to abuse him. So just so that he can get you. And not only did that, but how many know that even after he saved us, we still don't act right at the time. But what does he do? His passion, he just keeps on loving us. He keeps on forgiving us. He just keeps on just, just blessing us, caring for us. How many know it's good that we have a loving, graceful God? But God was, I'm going to tell you something, Jesus is all about people. We can't expect to change the world until we have a passion for people. Got to have a passion for the lost. We must have a passion for the lost. His passion was reflected in his gift. How many know when you're passionate about something, you give everything to it? And you give your best. Okay? I remember one time listening to Tiger Woods talk about passion. And he talked, and you all know I love Tiger Woods. I love golfing. Love golfing. I haven't been able to play much lately, but I love it. Brett Favre got the same issue, you know. Passion. Can't stop. Don't know. I mean, this is just, this is just his thing. Now, you know, God made us to be passionate, but sometimes we can be overly passionate about things that we probably need to chill out about. But I remember Tiger Woods, he was talking about this thing of passion. He was talking about that, that, that this is something he just got to do. It is in him. Like that Gatorade commercial. And I, is it Gatorade? They got that commercial now that it's like these, and I can't, oh, gosh. But every, every, right around football time, I saw it the other day, and they start, and they're actually advertising some kind of a drink. It's a drink. And I don't think it's Gatorade, but it's something like that. It talks about it being in you, and the people are, are Dancing and moving to a beat, and they're, and they're showing them in their different, you know, sports venue, and you can, and they show them with them faces, and they're just passionate, and they're, and then you know they they hitting the ball, they're, or they're hitting that golf shot, and they, passion. That's what my wife was talking about that night, and I was praying that the Steelers would lose. Passion. Passion. I'm gonna be. Passionate today when the Cowboys win. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, a God has a, so we have to have a passion for the loss. And when you're passionate about something, you sacrifice. You give whatever you got to give to it because you're passionate. You're passionate about it. Well, Pastor, well, why don't we go out and let's just go knock on some doors? Let's just. 
Well, you know, Pastor, I'm just kind of busy. I really don't have much time for that. I mean, I got some other things I got to be doing. I understand that. But you know, a passion, when you're passionate about people, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you. One, one of the things I, and I've learned this about God, God never operates in a way that is convenient for you. If you say you want God to bless you, prepare yourself to be inconvenienced. Blessing comes through inconvenience. That means God interrupts your schedule. That's the way God does it. Because God is not going to be second in anything. He, he's not. Love your Lord to God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. He is never going to be second to anything or anybody. He wants us to come to a place that, that God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go do it. You got an opportunity to go reach somebody. You tell me that, I will rearrange my whole schedule for that. You know why? Because I know that's dear to God's heart. And if I want to be dear to God's heart, I got to be, I got to be serious and passionate about people. I got to be. This is my destiny. This is my calling. You know why? Because I'm only here. You think about it. You, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, and I always think to myself, man, I can't wait till I retire. And I thought, but you know what? I'm getting older. I was listening to T.D. Jakes talk this morning. I was listening to him this morning. He was talking about how his, his mother had told him that how that she had really, she was old in her body, but her spirit, she was very, very young and on fire. And I thought, I said, you know, we don't have a lot of time. You really think about it. I want to think about it. You don't have a lot of years. I'm looking at some of you now. There's a little gray that's already starting to creep up. I got some little gray up here. I hide mine so y'all can't see it. Right? We don't have much time. Why don't we take the time and be passionate and go all the way with God? I mean, just get radical and get some people saved. Bring some people. Don't just be content with going to heaven yourself, but grab a few people and bring them with you. Kicking and screaming sometimes, but bring them with you. Look at Mark chapter 2. I'm going to shock some of you now. But you know, really, it's not a shock, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Because how many know when you're passionate about something, you really don't care a whole lot about what people say or think anyway? Am I right about it? I mean, if you're really passionate about it, you really don't care me because this is my, it's my passion. My passion. Mark chapter 2. Look at Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many, everybody say many. I want you to get that. Many, many tax collectors and, watch this, sinners. We're going to talk about that here in a second also set together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were, what? Many. Not a few, not two or three. Many. And they followed him. 
And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks, watch this, with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, you know, sometimes we're reading the Bible, we can sit back, you know, we read about all the struggles of the children of Israel being in that hot desert and crying out to God and saying, Lord, we want to go back to Egypt. We look at that. But see, we forget that when we're reading the Bible, we're like sitting there in our home where it's nice and warm and air conditioned. And, and our feet are propped up and we're sipping our pina colada and our, our tea and our coffee and everything's good, right? But, and so we read this particular passage of scripture. I want you to hear something that he said. Jesus, watch this. He was sitting down. He saw, he saw Levi and he went to where? His house. The Pharisees, watch this, were considered the folks that was anointed of God. Sanctified. These were the people that you saw them. Bless God, pastor, bishop. These were the great educators. They taught the people. These were the religious leaders. Here it is. They see Jesus inside of a sinner's house. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He calls himself a man of God. Does he know what kind of people they are? I mean, you know it was bad because of two things. The scripture says many, and it says it a couple of times. And the Pharisees got indignant about it. Now, when it says sinners, we like to we, we see it, it, we can easily think, oh, we say sinner. He's just talking about people that might slip up and say a little white lie every now and then. Or a person that just kind of, uh, you know, just lose their temper. But how do you know a sinner is a sinner? Let's bring it in modern day times. Do crack addicts sin? Are they sinning when they take crack? When people are committing adultery, are they sinning? Uh, when, when people are murdering, are they sinning? Picture this. Jesus sitting down. Hanging out with a bunch of people who got long felony criminal records. A couple of y'all know what I'm talking about. These people are some of the worst people in society. They're the the gang members. They're the people that got a long rap sheet. They're the people that, you know, the religious people, Christians, be like, no, can't be seen there. But Jesus was sitting there eating with them. And, and, and the Pharisees, they could, not, they could not wrap their mind around that. They thought, what is, on, what is he doing? He calls himself a man. These are sinners and tax collectors. They were almost, they were worse than the IRS. They were collecting money for the government, for the Roman government, but they were also collecting taxes and stealing from the people. They were thieves. They were despised. Nobody liked a tax collector. Who you work for? I'm talking, oh, God, get him away from me. Nobody liked that. And here Jesus sitting down with them, having a good time laughing. Not only that, you know, not only that, but Jesus went to their house. What would happen if you drove by? They got a new uh, bar down, down the street from my house called uh, Mix, M-I-C-K-S. Is it, did I say that right? Mix. I told my wife yesterday because I was, I was meditating on this thing. I said, baby, I need, maybe I just need to, I need to figure out a way to go in the bar and reach some people for Christ. Some of you are saying, oh, God, you see, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor was up in the bar. 
Some of y'all may be saying, I ain't going back to that church. That, that, something wrong with that pastor. I mean, there was all kind of people up in there. He's sitting up at the bar. But you know, your, your heavenly, your Savior did it. Your Savior hung with the people that nobody else wanted. These are tax collectors and sinners. And when you say sinners, that's a broad brush. You call it some of the worst sinners. You call it, name it. Put a tag on it. Jesus was eating with them. And not only that, he, he went to them. See, what caused Jesus to do that? It was his passion for people. And if we're going to be passionate about people and winning the loss, we got to go where they are. We can't just sit camping here and say, okay, let's let them come. The pastor, why is, it, why is the church not growing? How many people have you brought? How many people are you witnessing to? How many people have you went out there and said, look, come to Jesus? How many people have you, sh- how many people have you invited into your house? How many of you have went into some of those places where they're unbelieving to say, you know what? I'm here. I, listen, I just want to let you know. Because I don't have a problem. I heard Andy Stanley said this. and he's, Andy Stanley is a, uh, he t- teaches a lot on leadership. And here's what he said. And this is profound to me anyway. He said, in order to reach the people that nobody is reaching, that this is what this faith is all about. We have to do the thing, do the things that nobody else is doing. That means that we must think outside of the box. Because our ultimate goal is not to just, listen, happiness and having things we want and all that is really a byproduct of what we really are all about as believers. Our, the end game for the Christian is not to have a nice house, a nice bank account, and to be happy. That's not the end game for us. If you, I, mean, every, I mean, that's what everybody is seeking, right? But our end game is to, be, is to go out and reach somebody and bring somebody into the kingdom of God like you are. And so in order to do that, that passion got to lead you into some uncomfortable places. So I expect to see some of you at the bar, but I don't want you drinking. Can't <laughs> be getting drunk, acting up. Because see, you ain't changed the environment. The environment doesn't change you. Everywhere that Jesus went, he influenced the environment. But the environment did not change him. Now, if you're so weak that you can't go in that environment because the environment may change you, then that cannot be your venue. You got, I don't care what it is you think about it, but if you're going to be passionate about people, then you have to figure out a way to go reach them. You got to go where they are. Say, you know what? I am going to make a choice. I'm going to find out a way. I'm going to have a community picnic. I'm going to put a big balloon in my backyard, and I'm going to invite everybody, all their kids, come on out, and I want you to jump on this thing because I want to share the love of God with you. Because what are we ultimately about? Souls. Everything, all this, it's not about building. It's not about, you know, we get fussed. You know, it's not about how wonderful the building is, how nice the painting is. It ain't all about that. It's about people. At the end of the day, this is about people. And if we're not loving people, reaching people, then we're missing the whole point. We're missing the whole point. Are you still with me? Look at uh, uh, Romans chapter number nine for a second. We're winding this thing down. Romans chapter nine. Because you all look like. I hope you're still excited. Hallelujah. I can feel the passion in this room. 
Y'all are thinking, boy, I can't wait till I get out of here. Boy, I'm going to go get somebody and bring them into heaven. I'm going to drag somebody into the kingdom today. Glory to God. I'm going to be on fire. And I want you to, this, this verse, this is the Apostle Paul. We talked last week about the Apostle Paul's passion. God made us to be a passionate people. Apostle Paul here, it almost sounds like he's, he's lost it. But he put this in such words that it's earth-shaking. And I asked myself, you asked yourself, how is it that the Apostle Paul's ministry exploded the way that it did? How was it that he was able to go and establish all these churches? Let me tell you, it was, you're going to have a, a sneak peek into his heart to know what it was that drove him. Look at this. Now, I want you, this is, this is profound. Listen to what he says. Here. He says, now, I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. You can feel the emotion. You can feel it's almost like he's tearing up. You can feel. I want you to feel this. He says, "I am not lying. My conscience is also bearing witness in the Holy Spirit." Paul's saying, "Listen, I want to tell you something. I'm not lying about it. This is my heart. I'm very, very serious about this thing. This wasn't a religious cliche that he was about to say, but he said that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart." Because my bill's not being paid? No. Because my wife ain't acting right? No. Because my kids don't have it all together? No. Because my situation, the way I wait? No. Listen to what he says. He says, I have great and continual sorrow in my heart, for, in my heart for, I could, for I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ. For my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertains the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Now, you know a brother have a passion for people. If he said, when he said a curse of Christ, from Christ, he's saying that I, would, I am willing to lose my salvation if I can just get my brothers in the kingdom. How many of you can say you're there yet? I ain't there yet. I'm not quite there. No. But you see the passion and the fire in this man. That he himself, he said, I wish that I was cursed. I wish that I was shut off from the life of God. If it would get my brother into heaven, because I have a passion for that people. If they, were, if they can get in heaven, then, I'll, then I'll, go, I'll, I'll be cut off. I'll go to hell for them. I will do it for them. I mean, no, that's passion. And there's no wonder why the apostle Paul had great success as an apostle. Because he had a deep passion for people. I want to close with this. And I won't have you turn, I'll just, I'll just recite it. Um, Jesus said, he talked about um, praying for the harvest. He said, pray that the Lord of harvest. He said, the laborers are few. He talked about how the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That particular passage of scripture, I think it, if you can post it on the screens, uh, Sister Diva, I think I may have given it to you. Um, I believe it's in uh, Matthew chapter number nine, verses 35 through 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Right. 
Yeah, thank you. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages and teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were very weary and scattered and like sheep having no shepherd. Now, stop right there for a second. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you see people around you that are weary? Do you see people around you that are scattered? Do you see people around you look like they have no sense of direction? Nobody's leading them. They're lost. He said in, in, in that same, and he says, the harvest, if you continue on to that, that main verse. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. Even today, the harvest is plentiful. But here's, here's the problem. We lack laborers that are passionate. That's what the problem is. Because the conditions as it was over then is still the same conditions it is today. The harvest is plentiful. They're out there. On your way home today, you will see hundreds of them. But the passion of the people that will get up and say, you know what? I got to go and reach them. I'm going to go do something. It's lacking. There's, There's a lack of passion in the body to go out and reach them and do the work necessary to bring them into the kingdom. All of us have a responsibility as believers. Every one of you have a responsibility to figure out a way to bring people to the kingdom of God, to share your love, to share the love of God in your school, at home, on your jobs, in your neighborhood, in your community, at the grocery store. We all have a, he says the harvest is plentiful. So the problem is not the harvest, the harvest is out there. But are you willing to say, you know what, pastor, I'm willing to do the work in order to bring some people into the kingdom. I'm willing to take that step and say, you know what, I'm willing to sacrifice some in order to go and reach somebody who is lost. Somebody who is dying. Somebody who don't know where they're going, don't know how they're going to get there. They are just lost. They have no hope. They're all around you. They have no hope. They're out there. And we, and, and you know, and we just take, we, we're, we're just, you know, we're, we're happy. We got everything going right for us, perhaps. And, and they're, and, and we look at them and we don't think twice that, you know what? If they don't know Christ, they're going to die and go to hell for eternity. We never think about that. Family and friends. I want to do something special this morning. I want to do an altar call that's a little bit different than what I have done. This is not to embarrass anybody. God has made us to be a passionate people. That passion is to carry over into passion for souls, for people who don't know him. And I want you to come into agreement with me this morning. I want everybody. I want, and this is, this is not for one, two people. It's everybody. By coming to the altar this morning, you're, going to, you're saying, Pastor, you know what? I'm going to get serious about 
winning souls to Christ. And if you have been serious about it, you're going to get more serious about it so that we won't leave anybody out. And that you figure out a way. You're going to say, by coming here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I want to figure out a way. You know, sometimes it's so easy. You know, we have, um, I remember when I was living in Manassas Park, um, they had a community, um, I guess what you call a board. Um, um, it's not the right word I want to say, but we had a, uh, our, our, our condo was run by a board of directors and all that in our community. And I, I was the president. And I remember that I became the president not because I didn't have anything else to do, but because I wanted to establish some relationships so I can win people to Christ. Maybe you need to join some community organization. Maybe you need to join coach a soccer team. Maybe you need to figure out, figure out a way to say, you know what, I'm going to get around people because nobody's going to get saved if you're not around them. You got to put yourself in position to, to share the love of God. I mean, the, I'm, I, I'm good with technology, and we can use that, and I, and I think we use everything that we got, but at some point, we just needed to get out among the people and say, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. It should, it should make all of us sick to our stomach to come here and there's an empty chair. It should, it's just, it should just say, you know what, this can't happen anymore. There are too many people. Now, obviously, you can't force people, but we can make a commitment and say, you know, every day I'm going to make it my goal to share the love of God. And you set a goal, whatever you want to set. It may be, you know, to, to, to witness to somebody once a week. It may be to bring somebody to church every Sunday. You call it, but we all are to be involved in the process of evangelizing. And then we got to pray for that passion and say, Lord, give me a passion for the lost. Give me a passion for other people. You've been good to me. God ain't been good to you just so that you can just enjoy his goodness. Your goodness that God has, and every one of you, you can, every one of you without question can say to me, you know what? God's been good to me. He's been good to everybody in here. Take that goodness and share it with somebody else. If you want to make a commitment this morning and you're saying, and I'm going to move this out of the way because I'm going to believe in that everybody's going to come. And by coming, you're saying, Pastor, I am, I'm just going to make a fresh commitment. The altar means change. That means that you come to the altar, it means change. That you're going to change your way of thinking, and you're going to think differently moving this moment forward. If you want to covenant with me to say, I am going to do what I can, and, I'm going to, and, we're going to, and you want to ask God to just give you a fire and ignite you and give you that passion for lost people, then I want you to come up here this morning. I want you to come up. That means... Come up if you're serious about it. Now, if you're not, then you can stay where you are. If you're serious about reaching souls for Jesus, this is what we're talking about. That we're saying, you know, that no more am I going to just live my life. And, and, and not that we've been terrible, because I'm sure that at somewhere along the line, you share your faith with people. But we need to be more passionate about this. Because you know why? Because people are dying every day. Every time you look at the TV and you hear, about the, you hear them say on the news that somebody's lying on the street dead, that's a soul that's potentially cut off from the life of God. That maybe if we would have been a little bit more passionate to reach out, then maybe we're going to save them. I don't know. I mean, we can't save anybody. God saves, but you know what I'm saying. 
We're co-laborers with him. And we're saying this morning, as we come here this morning, we're saying we're going to make a new pact with God. Not only are we going to be passionate about Jesus, we got a whole lot of passionate things to talk about. We're going to be passionate about life. We're going to be passionate about a whole lot of things, but we're going to be passionate about what's really important. It got to start with him, and then our passion for him is going to shape everything else. And, and people will love you when they see passion in your heart. They will come after you when they see that you got a passion. Yes, oh, I, I, they don't, they don't want to be around you because you are passionate. And if you have no passion, then you can't expect to touch anybody's life. Let's stretch our hands to the Lord, everybody. Father God, I thank you this morning for every person that is here represented. Lord, this is a holy and a sacred moment. I pray, God, that you will look into the heart of everyone here. And I pray, God, that as their hearts are open, that you would ignite them with a fire and a passion. I want you to repeat after me. Father God, Father God. ignite me. Set me ablaze for you. Give me a passion, God, for the loss, for the harvest. Never let me be comfortable with my own eternal security. But inspire me to go forth and to share it with others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as you pray that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to pray and ask God to give you a plan to think about some people that you know, and everybody here know of people who don't know God. All of us know of people, right? And ask God to give you a plan and a vision. You know, we plan and we plan for everything else, right? We plan our vacations. We plan, we put stuff on the schedule all the time for what we want to do. Ask God to give you a plan. They don't have to know what you're doing because you do have an agenda because you love them. Lord, give me a plan to reach my next door neighbor. Give me a plan to reach that person that I work with. It may be you may just have them over for dinner. They might think you're crazy. What's on? I've been here for 20, 15 years. You never invited me. Why do you want me to come to your? What's wrong with you? Just, just throw it out there. You can't make people do anything, but just throw it out there. And I believe that when we, make a, we have this passion that it's going gonna, it's gonna to make a difference and that God is going to reward us because when we're passionate about what he's passionate about, things happen. I think sometimes the, the problem is that we don't get the blessing that we could get because we're all blessed. It's because where we, what we're passionate about, God is not passionate about. But when we line ourselves up with what he's passionate about, boy, that opened up the floodgates for all kinds of things to happen. And, and, this is, and this is something God spoke to my heart. And me and my wife, and we've been sitting back thinking about ways that we can try. And sometimes we've done stuff and people just say to us, uh, you know, they're just kind of like, you know, no, we, we're busy, we can't. But, you know, we keep trying. We keep trying. God is just saying this morning, try. Just, just go for it. Amen. 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 You, can be, you can go back to your seats. Don't, you can remain standing and we'll just, we'll just close right here. Amen. You can, you can stop it, son.